Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for February 1st, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Writers, Y Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. So before we get into it, uh, let's talk about uh, some features that are on the site today. HT, you are just uh, kicking ass. Like you have the the three, I think, most interesting features on the site today. Uh, you have a couple of reviews. Tell us about the reviews. Yeah. So the first review that um, I published was Miss Bala, which is the Gina Rodriguez vehicle that is a remake of a 2011 Mexican crime thriller. Um, it's directed by Catherine Hardwick, and it stars Gina Rodriguez as a makeup artist who gets caught up in this um, drug cartel DEA shootout and ends up getting kidnapped by this drug cartel and being forced to run and smuggle drugs for them. It's a very frustrating film that is does not do Gina Rodriguez justice. She is an action star, and especially in this film, which is kind of her like action debut. She's so great and electric in it, but the film itself is like weirdly uncomfortable and devoid of politics in a way that is just irresponsible. And you can read that full review on the site. You also have a review for Alita Battle Angel. Were you one of the one, one of the people that actually liked this movie? I liked this movie and I was very surprised too because it's got everything going against it. It's an anime adaptation. It's got those really weird big eyes, but it might actually be Hollywood's first good manga adaptation and um it's just really fun and charming and the visuals are just incredibly dazzling. The fight sequences too. Yeah have that dynamism that you find in anime that was really hard to echo like without feeling just like overly cartoonish but it's just a beautiful um like visually splendid movie to behold yeah and you can read that review also on slash home.com and lastly yesterday you published kind of a thing on uh kingdom hearts explaining the plot because the video game does not do a good job apparently So this article is essential to playing Kingdom Hearts 3 because it picks up on essentially 17 years of anime storytelling. And by anime storytelling, I mean the most convoluted, um, 
the type of plot you can imagine. There are clones, several clones. Um, there is time travel. And basically the story that started off as just a guy who is traveling from world to world. And each of these worlds are Disney worlds and trying to stop the darkness from um, invading these worlds has become this just like decade spanning saga about how this man is trying to manipulate, this evil man is trying to manipulate all these people into creating like the bastion of all darkness. It's very confusing, um, but it's a great game. And uh, I've played a couple of hours for Kingdom Hearts three. And it's, I, I think like if you haven't see read, uh, played the first two or any of the other off console games, don't call them spinoff games because they are in fact essential to the plot. <laughs> um, despite there being like nine of them, uh, I would recommend you read this explainer because uh, I tried to break it down and talk about why uh, Roxas is important or why uh, you need to know about um, the Mark of Mastery and why there is a clone of every single character in this in this uh, series. How long does it take to play? I think it's like 40 plus hours. If it's 40 plus hours, why can't they spend... Sometime explaining some of this stuff. I don't understand. Like I, well, when you, they when, try. When we posted this yesterday, we got so much reaction from people who were thankful that you put this together because it wasn't making any sense in the actual game. I mean, well, if you actually, if you buy the the PS4 bundle that that uh, includes the other two games plus some of the other um, off console games remastered, you'll get a, a bigger picture of the story. But like, it's. But then you need like 200 hours. Like I don't have 200 hours. 200 hours. I will say that I spent quite a lot of time as an intern in college watching like 10 hour walkthroughs of the games that I didn't have (laughs) consoles for. And uh, I can thank that for writing for me to be able to write this article because there's just a lot of plot that is seemingly is seemingly um, inconsequential, but is actually very necessary. And it's just um, I mean, the only thing you really need to know is that it's about friendship and the friends we made along the way, <laughs> and, you know, time travel. Yeah. Okay, let's get into the news. Let's start off with the Oscars last week, or maybe it was earlier this week. I don't even remember at this point. But we said that the that the Academy was considering not having all of the best song nominees perform at the ceremony, but that has changed. Yes. So um, this was actually announced January 25th, so it was exactly a week ago, in which the Oscars said they were only going to, to spotlight two of the Best Original Song nominees um, as, as the performances. And that was going to be Sh- Shallow from A Star is Born and All the Stars from Black Panther, which coincidentally are the only two uh, of the nominees that are a top 10 hits. Uh, but after the backlash to this um, announcement, the Oscars are walking that back. They have um, uh, announced on via their Twitter that Jennifer Hudson will be forming I'll Fight from the R- documentary RGB, and that and it followed up with a spoiler that the place where lost things go from Mary Poppins Returns will be performed by quote a surprise special guest. So don't, we don't know what that means. They didn't confirm um, when a cowboy trades his spurs for wings from the Ballad of Buster Scruggs uh, will be performed by Willie Watson and Tim Blake Nelson. But a report from Variety says that um, offers have been made to the representatives of all five nominees to perform the songs, although in truncated 90-second form. Hmm. You know, th- this is interesting because the Academy keeps on making these like announcements. We're going we're gonna to have a popular film category. 
And then, you know, everybody, there's outrage and they're like, oh, no, 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 we're going to reconsider that. Oh, we're only going to have like the, the songs that you know about outrage. Oh, uh, no, we'll probably have all of them. Uh, Chris, why? What is going on here? Why can't the Academy at least like, you know, make a decision and stick to it? Uh, because they're bad at what they do and they should all retire uh, immediately <laughs> and we should all call this whole Oscar thing off. I think it's run its course and we should just move on to something different. Like, I'm not saying I like either of those decisions, but at least have a spine and make a choice and like, you know, you know, put your flag in that <laughs> that sand and stick by it. Like, it, it just seems like so spineless. Yeah, every time the Oscars, the Academy makes some new announcement of the, about the Oscars, I get the feeling that even they don't like the Oscars. They're just trying to um, condense it and make it as just short and minimal as possible, which I know some people appreciate, but at the same time, they're cutting out um, featuring technical awards, for example. So it feels like they should go either like all the way and make it like a four-hour ceremony or just not hold it or televise it at all speaking of controversy yesterday i think they announced they're making a david bowie biopic slash origin story chris what is going on here because there's some controversy about will this movie actually even be made uh yeah so as of now the movie is being made or at least it's in pre-production and uh an actor named Johnny Flynn, who I'm not familiar with at all, has been cast to play David Bowie. And rather than being, you know, a traditional biopic, this just focuses on one specific period in David Bowie's life, specifically uh, in 1971 when he made his first uh, tour of America to promote uh, a new album. And this is where he he came up with the idea of Ziggy Stardust and all you know all that stuff. So it, it's sort of like the Ziggy Stardust origin story. Uh, so, you know, that story broke yesterday and I was immediately skeptical because honestly, I don't think anyone can really do a good job playing David Bowie, except maybe like Tilda Swinton. And that's not going to happen apparently. But, but if they could, it could be an Academy Award nominatable performance, right? Like if, if I guess, yeah, I mean, that's the prospect there for like an actor, like that is the challenge. Right. You just got to put like a goofy wig on him and that's all it takes apparently because that's all uh, Rami Malek did for Bohemian Rhapsody. He put on a goofy Ooh. wig and he got nominated for Best Actor and he'll probably win because that's that's where we are. Goofy teeth. Yes, goofy teeth, goofy know. everything. I think but, it was more than that. I think it was more than that, but okay, go on. No, his performance is bad. Anyway, uh, so, so uh, the controversy arrives – is today because Duncan Jones, who is David Bowie's son and a filmmaker in his own right, revealed that the the filmmakers, the producers of this movie, which is called Stardust, don't have the rights to any of David Bowie's songs. And they also don't have the blessing of Bowie's family. So basically, this is going to be a David Bowie movie without David Bowie songs. You know, whatever you want to say about Bohemian Rhapsody, which is a awful movie, at least it has really good queen songs in it like this movie isn't even going to have good bowie songs it's not going to have any bowie songs at all so uh, it, it begs the question who wants to see a david bowie movie without david bowie music uh not me yeah me neither so maybe we should just call this whole thing off how do you even do that like so are all the scenes off stage and then like you you kind of hear like the the music starting in the background and he walks on stage and then you cut to like after the concert. 
Yeah, if the, you know, that's probably how they'll do it, or they'll have just no performances at all, or they'll, they'll have like montages probably with other people's music. That's what I'm picturing, something like that. Without the um, participation of the family, how do you even get away with like the makeup on his face? Like, I feel like that is kind of, I guess it's not copyrighted or trademarked. I mean, I don't know. Like in wrestling, like no one can come out with ultimate warrior face paint if that makes sense because that has been i think in a way trademarked but maybe that maybe you know david bowie was didn't trademark that kind of that look uh i don't know so you just think this isn't going to happen uh i don't know i'm sure it'll happen in some capacity i mean it's worth noting that unlike bohemian rhapsody this is like a a small almost independent production this isn't like you know warner brothers or a big studio putting this out so uh it probably will happen and it'll probably be obscure and it'll probably quickly fade from memory and i'm sure someday we will get that big studio produced david bowie biopic and that probably won't be good either but as of now this is what we have yeah okay Let's move on to some TV uh, early buzz, The Umbrella Academy. This is one of the shows that we put in our most anticipated TV uh, shows for 2019. The The first reactions have hit the web, and HD, you did a roundup for the site. It, are, does it look promising? Yeah, by all accounts, it deserves that spot on our most anticipated list because uh, the critics are all raving about this series um, based on the Gerard Way and Gab- Gabriel Ba. Uh, um, Dark Horse comic book series. Uh, this is a Netflix series, and um, critics are calling it refreshing, weird, and uh, refreshingly weird. So the Washington Post praised this as a, a bright indicator of Netflix's future of superhero shows post-Marvel, saying that um, many comic book readers head over to publisher dark, like Dark Horse comics because their tastes are asking for something different from the superhero norm, and that's why you probably enjoy this show. Meanwhile, Collider writes that um, this that the Umbrella Academy is wonderfully bonkers, and uh, it's a tonic that you need in the current glut of superhero TV shows and or movies. It's um, a strange world and establishes that it's playing by its own rules. It's not always clear what those rules are, but it doesn't matter because the journey is so much fun. And um, CNET calls the series a fantastic riot of action and pop music. So uh, it mixes multiple storylines that you, as you try to breathlessly keep up, and it spices up scenes with just the right amount of pop music. Uh, weird and refreshing seems to be the word of choice in all of these reviews. And um, basically, there are all positive reviews for this series. Now, Chris, I know that you are not a fan of putting this on our list for 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 the most anticipated TV shows of this year. This is a Netflix show, um, and I know you do the streaming columns. Is this something that you might actually check out now that it sounds like it might be good? Yeah, I feel a little taken aback by these reviews, especially because I've actually had screeners for this for like a month. Like the Netflix provided screeners for this very early, and I just didn't even bother to watch them because I didn't have any interest. But now I'm kind of kicking myself because these reviews make it sound much better than I expected it to be. So maybe I will eventually check it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely glad that, you know, a channel or, you know, a, a company like Netflix is making this and not, uh, you know, sci-fi channel. Because I feel like th- th- this kind of thing sounds like a sci-fi channel TV show on the surface. 
Um, but yeah, let's let's move on to other TV shows. Let's talk about Frankenstein because you know, outside of the Dark Universe or whatever Universal is doing with their Universal monsters now, uh, there is now going to be a Frankenstein TV show uh, with crime solving with Frankenstein. What is going on here, Chris? Uh, yeah, so CBS is uh, putting together a Frankenstein TV show in which Frankenstein solves mysteries. Uh, <laughs> let me first let me, let me preface this by saying, yes, I know Frankenstein is technically the doctor's name, but come on. At this point, we all call the monster Frankenstein. So what this show is about is it, it, it's really just taking the premise of RoboCop. It's about a, a, a cop who gets killed and then he gets brought back to life to keep fighting crime which is literally the plot of robocop but in this case instead of a robot he's frankenstein's monster because the guy who brings him back to life is dr frankenstein so there you have it it's a so wait is frank is frankenstein uh the doctor uh who's known as frankenstein is he like the brains of the operation and he's bringing frankenstein's monster as like the you know the the strength yeah, Frankenstein's monster is the detective. He's a San Francisco detective who gets brought back to life, and so you know. So wait, is this, Frank- this in modern day? Yes, it's not like yeah, it's oh. not like a period piece. It's like present day Frankenstein in modern San Francisco. Did CBS also have that Sherlock Holmes series as well? Elementary. Yeah. Well, I hear that. Oh, I hear that's, that's good. pretty good. Yeah, this is actually from the same writer as that though. So this guy, mm-hmm. Jason Tracy. He also wrote Burn Notice, which is a show that was on for like 30 seasons. And I don't think anyone ever watched it, but it somehow was on for so long. So he has some sort of market corner. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, maybe maybe it's uh, the market of TV shows that you put on in the background while you're like making dinner. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. Yeah. So, you know, I know you're a huge fan of horror and you like the Universal Monsters. I assume you're going to stay far away from this. Yeah, I don't think I will be watching uh, Detective Frankenstein. I'm sorry, I, I have to. I have to draw a line somewhere. Yeah, I have no interest in this. HT, you? No, but I think the premise is hilarious. But also completely CBS because they managed to take uh, whatever like st- concept and turn it into procedural. So I kind of applaud them for that. I, I feel like I want to see the trailer for this, and I hope it's kind of like almost plays as a parody of itself. Um, but yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna even give this one a chance. Um, let's talk about Hulu. I think we talked about the prospect of this a couple months back, but they have officially announced that they are now planning to run ads when users pause videos. HT, what do we know? Hulu is planning to roll out a new advertising format that will show whenever users pause videos. So these new advertising units will be like on the pause screen and they will be similar to a pop-up. They won't be a video, but there'll be an image appearing on screen that is kind of like a transparent banner ad. And uh, we'll, and um, the uh, products that are currently um, participating in this are Coca-Cola and Charmin. And it's just in the testing phases now and it's going to roll out over the next few months. Uh, but if it's successful, then we'll probably see more products begin to have these sort of transparent pop-up ads as you pause them. Now, I'm wondering if this like will annoy you guys because it, to me, like this isn't really that much of a bother because you know I'm not going to be looking at the TV screen when it's paused anyways. So who cares if there's an ad on there or not? Uh, Chris, would something like this bother you? Yeah, no, I'm in the same boat where anytime I pause Hulu, it's because I'm getting up to, you know, get a drink or go to the bathroom. So it's not like 
I'm going to even notice the ad. So this whole thing seems strange to me. I mean, I wish it were one or the other. Like, I wish if they were doing this, they would get rid of the regular ads, but I guess they're not going to do that. So, <laughs> no uh, way. yeah, I, I don't know why they think this is a good idea, but I, I won't get too bent out of shape about it. I wonder if it's going to be like everything, everything on Hulu, where when you pause it, you get the ad. That's the same ad that runs ten times during that program. You've gotten that right, like where like the same advertise. You've seen the same advertisement like five times. Oh, it's awful. It, the it's, one I keep seeing now is the one where they they say like free, free, free a lot for like taxing, <laughs> taxes or something like that. Like all they say in the commercial is the word free. It's maddening. They play it every commercial break. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I will say that um, a, a, an image ad is better than a video, which when I first um, was reporting on the story, I thought that it would be a video. And I'd be like, I was like, that sounds um, horrifying. But if it's just a banner, then maybe it's OK. I do feel sort of inundated by ads all the time. And I feel like pause screens are the one break that we get from them. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I'll probably be annoyed at first, but it'll just kind of fade into the background as as it goes on. Yeah, as long as it doesn't pop up during the program. Like I hate those like lower third ads like on mm. like actual network TV and as long as it's not a video ad because that would be so annoying if you pause something like to like go answer the phone and like all of a sudden a video ad plays. Horrible. Okay, anyways, and lastly, let's give a reaction to this Hobbs and Shaw trailer. I'm actually kind of disappointed that Ben was not able to make the podcast today because he's such a Fast and the Furious fan, and it would have been great to get his reaction to this as well. Peter, but- Peter surprise. I am here. Anytime <laughs> Fast and the Furious is mentioned, I just – I'm conjured out of thin air. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so – I, I should say, you know, you should go watch this Hobbs and Shaw trailer online. You should pause this podcast and go check it out because we're going to give our reaction. Not that it, we're giving a reaction to the trailer, so I guess that doesn't spoil anything. But to, to understand what we're talking about, uh, yeah, go watch it. So, um, Ben, what did you think of this trailer? Guys, I kind of love this. I mean, it, it's uh, Chris was talking about this earlier in our Slack channel. This is so far removed from the first Fast and Furious movie, but it feels very much in keeping with the ridiculous tone that the, the franchise has uh, has adopted over the past few years. Um, you know, the, the relationship between Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham uh, has been entertaining in small doses in the past. I'm not fully convinced that I'm going to be as charmed by the end of this uh, as I have been thus far by them, because it may be like a little bit too much. But in terms of like the stylish, you know, the the visuals, the uh, <laughs> the plot, which seems absolutely absurd, uh, the action, all of the stuff that you sort of come to a Fast and Furious movie for, I am here for this spinoff. I'm, I'm all about it. Yeah, I thought um, this trailer looks a lot more colorful than the Fast and Furious movies. I mean, I, I guess the cars in the Fast and Furious films are colorful, but, like, just the lighting and, mm-hmm. uh, like, even, like, the quirky, upbeat, like, cover of Why Can't We Be Friends doesn't seem like something you'd see in a Fast and the Furious uh, trailer. Uh, the comedy seems ramped up, as is the action. I mean, I I mean, this is David Leach, who did, you know, Deadpool 2, Atomic Blonde, uh, John Wick, uh, but I didn't expect to see, you know, that big insane action set piece on the side of a skyscraper that kind of like, I feel like the pitch for this was like, what if ghost protocol, but more ridiculous. 
Also, what's with Dwayne Johnson and skyscrapers lately? Yeah. Yeah, I know. What, HD, what, what did you think of this trailer? Against my better judgment, I absolutely love this trailer. <laughs> I still have not forgiven Deckard Shaw for killing Han and getting away with it scot-free while getting invited to the barbecue, I might add. <laughs> I'm still very upset with that, even though I was absolutely charmed by his sequence in Fate of the Furious, where he fought off a bunch of guys with a baby in hand. It was great. Jason Statham is charming as hell. And yes, he does it again here, as well as he and Dwayne Johnson have that great rapport. And yeah, it's it's fun. It's silly. It's cartoonish as hell. And uh, it's basically a superhero movie. Like Idris Elba is actually a supervillain in this. At some point, I think he's wearing like this suit that looks just like, you know, like a prototype X-Men yeah. Uh, from the early X-Men films and wait, does, suit. Does this suit give him, like, superpowers? I was a little confused. I think he has superpowers. He's I like think. a he's like a cyborg or something. I don't like the beginning. <laughs> they, they they have this like speech where they're like, he's been genetically enhanced. And like they show like lasers being shot at his back. <laughs> it's so cool. Oh, my God. I can't. <laughs> I can't even begin to articulate how excited I am for this stupid-looking movie. <laughs> Anyways, um, David Chen did point out, now that we have potentially cyborgs in the Fast and Furious universe, Han <laughs> could come back as a cyborg. So that's what I'm, like, hoping out for. <laughs> oh, man. Ben, would, yeah, you, and... would you be down for a cyborg Han coming oh, back? Oh, hell yes, I would be. Yes, well, yeah. just completely throw all sense of reality out the window because they, they did that like three movies ago, to be honest. But there's also really – oh, Chris, actually, Chris, were you about to say something? Yeah, I was going to say when I first started with Slash Elm, I actually wrote an article about how since they're both owned by Universal, the Fast and the Furious franchise should cross over – with Jurassic World, and they can clone Han because they use cloning technology to bring back the dinosaurs. <laughs> so, like, they could be riding on the dinosaurs' backs and, you know, pulling off heists, and there's a clone Han. Why not? Just do it. That's not too far removed from what we see in this trailer, to be honest with you. Um, there's a, there's a moment at the two-minute mark where uh, one of them is in a vehicle that does, like, a complete like a corkscrew spin and it reminded me a lot of a scene in transporter 2 where jason statham has a bomb underneath his car and ramps up to a like a hanging crane and scrapes the bomb off of the bottom of his car and then lands as the bomb explodes it's just so ludicrous and it seems like this movie is is fully embracing the the crazy town tone that uh, that the films have have sort of leaned into in in previous movies. Yeah, I feel like for me, the thing I've liked, you know, Fast Five is my favorite of the franchise, and I feel like it, it is because it is so ridiculous. And at times, this franchise likes to, you know, be about family and get emotional and whatever. And I I feel like I, I don't care about that stuff, guys. I, in <laughs> in this franchise, I just want it to be so over the top ridiculous and and seeing you know that corkscrew that you mentioned at the warehouse or seeing that big action scene at the you know on the side of the skyscraper that that that's what i am in for uh fast and the furious movies for so uh yes I, yeah chris do you have any final words because you didn't get to get to give a full reaction but i'm assuming yeah so I'm one of those people who just does not care about the Fast and the Furious franchise. I've tried to get into it. I just can't do it. But this, I'm all in on this because it doesn't look like a Fast and the Furious movie to me. It looks like 
it looks like a Mission Impossible movie crossed with like G.I. Joe, The Rise yes. of Cobra. Yes. And even though that movie is terrible, like I love how this looks. It just looks so stupid. And I, I mean that in the best possible way. Like the beginning of the trailer, like Jason Statham like breaks the fourth wall and he's like talking to the camera. And I really hope that's like in the movie. I hope that they didn't just shoot that for the trailer. Like I want that in the movie. I want the movie to just be like, we don't care about logic or the laws of physics. This is just a movie where anything can happen. And I'm, I'm all in if that on that. Ben, I think you even pitched to Chris Morgan, the guy that is basically the, the architect of this franchise, the producer that a fast and the furious movie in space. Yes, I did. Yeah. I talked to him about that. Yeah. What was his reaction to that? Because I, Um, I feel like we're, we're on our way with this, right? I, I think he didn't, turn it down i think i don't think he can you know he didn't confirm it obviously but i don't think he took it off the table so uh yeah i don't know it's going to be interesting to see how the franchise evolves from here because i think we reported recently that dwayne the rock johnson is not going to be in fast nine so without him what is the what are the fast and furious saga movie is going to look like um with you know with nine and ten is it going to come back for the tenth and quote-unquote final one um are we going to get Hobbs and Shaw two after this I don't know there's there's a lot of questions but I'm excited to see what happens with this film well very cool uh that brings us to the end of today's slash film daily you can find more of all of our stories that we mentioned in today's podcast on slash film.com and linked in the show notes this podcast is published every weekday on iTunes Google Play Overcast Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. And please go and review this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we will see you tomorrow. Or see you on Monday, actually. We'll be back on Monday with the water cooler episode. And hopefully Tuesday we'll be able to do our best of Sundance episode. So look forward to that. We'll see you then.